I'm going to take your attention to Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, would like to turn with me. Well, didn't this praise team and music team just sound wonderful this morning? Great job. They were on fire today. Amen. Death could not hold you down. You are the risen King. Come on, sing it with me. Seated in majesty. You are the risen Sing it to the Lord. Hallelujah. You have won it all for me. Death could not hold you down. You are the risen give him praise. Just give him praise this morning. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Luke 19 verse 9, and Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house. For so much as he also is the son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save who? That which was lost. With the help of the Lord for the next little bit, I want to speak to you this morning on dimensions of lostness. Dimensions of lostness. Lord, help us this morning to speak what you have laid upon our heart for this hour to this congregation. I pray for every heart, every life, every mind. I pray, Lord, that you would draw us to you, draw us close to you by your word and through your spirit and by your power this morning. Lord, as we navigate your word and take a deep look into this gospel this morning, Lord, I pray that every heart be touched. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Jesus' name. Now, I don't want to look terribly ignorant this morning when I make this statement, but sometimes I put things away and forget where I put them. I think I get it from my mother who would hide things from the family because she didn't want us to lose them. And then when we would ask for them, she knew she had it somewhere, but she would have to have a few days to find them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
She would put them away and she would lose them. We have a tendency to lose things that we don't have in front of us. With a quick glance, it's very obvious to recognize that America has lost some things. A country that was built on the foundation of the Bible has removed the Bible and prayer from our schools, the Ten Commandments from our courthouses and town squares. They have legalized abortion. They have promoted same-sex marriage and gender-neutral restrooms. They cry out and call anyone a bigot who would even dare to speak against abortion, yet they cry out over a dead gorilla. This change, this shift in American culture did not happen overnight. It was a gradual process. I believe intentional. I believe that people in high places were strategizing in how that this would happen. It came through our school system, our educational system. It has moved into every facet and every area uh, of society until now a country that once exalted righteousness now glamorizes evil. It's fulfilling the scripture that said they would look at good and call it evil and look at evil and would call it good. They sell their bit of goods to a generation that is ignorant to what righteousness really is all about. And their evil they sell is the apex of personal freedom and personal fulfillment. I shudder at the thought of what this world will look like should Jesus choose to not return for his church. I shudder to think at what this world would look like in another 25, 30, or 50 years. America has lost some things. Not only has America lost some things, but I fear that individuals and churches have lost things. And if we take a close examination of our own personal lives, I would guess that many of us may say, you are right, Pastor, there are things that I once held dear that I no longer hold dear. There are things that I once held to that I no longer hold to. There are things that the church once stood for that maybe it doesn't stand for any longer. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not something that just all of a sudden, hey, look, look at where we are. People say, well, I'm not as lost as. I'm not as bad as. I, I haven't gone to the point of others. I haven't been, you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at society and, and I'm comparing myself in light of others. It's a bad place to be. Really, it's a bad place to, to be to compare ourselves against others. The Bible, uh, as a matter of fact, warns us against comparing ourselves against others and, and looking at ourselves in the mirrors that are made by others or created by our own selves. Perhaps the worst mirror is the mirror that we create for our own selves, that we want others to see ourselves in. 
You see, God looks at us in His mirror, in the image of His Word. Others look at us in the image of of the world and judge us against others. And then, of course, we judge ourselves, everybody differently. Some we judge ourselves. The righteous often judge themselves too harshly. The the, the hypocrites often judge themselves against the mirror that they want others to see them in. So did I lose you? We all judge ourselves in mirrors, but it's mirrors in images that uh, create in images that we want to be seen in, that we want others to, to see us. Um, I remember uh, many years ago, I, I guess I probably haven't uh, done this since I was a teenager, but we used to go to the Texas State Fair, and in our visits to the Texas State Fair, you would go into, uh, you ever been into the room of mirrors? You ever go to one of those places and the whole room is nothing but mirrors and the mirrors turn every which way and it makes you look every odd way you can possibly imagine. You can see a multiplicity of yourself. Fits right into some people. It can make a fat man look skinny and a skinny man look fat. A tall man look short. A short man look tall. It just... it. It can make you look all these different ways. And, and there's a huge lesson to be learned there. That if we're not real careful, we will begin to view ourselves in the wrong mirror. We will look at ourselves by, and, and, and we will see ourselves in certain ways because of the perspective by which we are viewing ourselves. I think it's time that we get back to the basics of viewing ourselves in light of the Word of God. I believe it is time that we go back to the basics of seeing ourselves according to the way that God sees us, not by the mirror that is made of others or the mirror that is made by ourselves, but we see ourselves as God chooses to see us. I fear that many have so long tried to make excuses for themselves, make excuses for their change of, of, of the way that they once viewed things and the way they see them now until we have, if we're not real careful, we have modernized God completely out of the church, out of our families, out of our daily life, and certainly out of our daily routines. Family prayer no longer takes precedence in homes. Prayer before we eat no longer is anything that is important. It's just something that we ritualistically do. Wow, it's quiet this morning. It doesn't happen overnight. It's gradual. How do we lose prayer? One Missing one prayer at a time. How does our family become silent to prayer? It doesn't happen all at once that we stop from being a praying family until all until, until uh, just you know we wake up one day and we're no longer going to pray. That's not how it happens. It's a gradual process. It is a, it's through a series of of shortening prayer and less prayer and the less of emphasis and importance on prayer, less sacrifice, less emphasis on sacrifice until it no longer becomes part of who we are. It's gradual. It's like getting used to the dark. I mentioned it a few weeks ago. It's if we started dimming the lights, you would hardly notice. 
because our eyes will adjust to the dimness. And before long, you become accustomed to that level of, of, of light and it can become more dim and more dim until eventually we have become used to the dark. And before long, we can actually, with just faint light, we would be able to see and pick out who we're talking to and we'll be able to look completely across the room by only just a candle or two. And we talk about how foolish we were when we needed hundreds or even thousands of watts of lights to be able to see. Now no longer we need it. We remember when it used to be all night prayer. Remember when we used to fast. Remember when we used to go to church all the time. Remember when, but it doesn't take that now. For now it only takes just a little bit of what we used to have because we have become enamored with life so much that the darkness seems as light. Our itineraries have taken precedent over our moments with God. It's happened in America. It's happening in American churches all over the country. It's happening in families abroad all over the United States and around the world. And it's even happening to some of our very own families. Individuals that once held dear to this great truth that God has given us now are selling out for a simpler, easier way to get to heaven. The Bible says there is but one way. There is but one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There is but one truth. There is but one, there is but one door. There is but one highway. I don't want to sound overly harsh, overly hard this morning. It's not even the point of the message that I'm preaching, but I'm in building and creating the, the, the groundwork for the message that I'm going to preach here in the next few minutes. Don't worry, I won't preach that long. For the hour and two hour sermons of yesterday, have, they've been diminished to our 30 minute talks. I'll try to make you feel good before we leave. It's what I'm supposed to do, right? We must take personal inventory of where we are in light of where we used to be. The point that I'm bringing to you this morning is that there are dimensions of lostness. It's not, it's not just that all of a sudden we wake up one day lost, but there are dimensions of lostness. I mean, I, I'm going to try to point this out. We, we want to live in a black and white world. We want to say, well, it's right or wrong, saved or lost. And I'll let you have your own view on that this morning. But I, 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 want, to, I want to try to help us understand maybe where we are this morning. Maybe where we are as individuals today, where we are as a church, where the world is. In Luke chapter 15, I read to you this morning uh, a little passage of Scripture, but I want to take your attention for a moment now. If I made a Luke chapter 15, the Bible gives us three scenarios of things that were lost, and each of those things that were lost were lost in various dimensions. And I want to pull those out of Scripture this morning so perhaps we can see the various dimensions of lostness. 
And you'll see that pastor didn't just come this morning with a, with a splinter in my finger. With a sore toe that I wanted to come and just point out everybody's flaws this morning or the faults of everybody. But I want to wake us up today, if I may, just for a few minutes as we talk about the dimensions of lostness. And see if somebody in this room may see themselves in the mirror of God's word today. In these three scenarios of lostness, we find a woman who had ten coins, but she had lost one. We find a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, but he had lost one. We find a father who had two sons, but one was lost. We can look at it from a mathematical equation. We can see the woman had 10 coins and lost 10%. She had lost one. We see a shepherd who had 100 sheep and lost one. He had only lost 1%. We see a father who had two sons. He had lost one. He had lost 50%. But it's not about mathematics. Because they were all equally important to the individuals who had lost them. The woman had lost a coin that was precious to her. A shepherd had lost a sheep who was precious to him. A father had lost a son. And who would say, well, it was just a son. I have another. They were all three lost, but they represent different stages of of lostness of humanity. I want to try to help us see this morning that the coin was lost, but the coin was lost in the house. The sheep was lost, but the sheep's lost in the field. The son was lost, but he was lost in the muck and the mire of a pig's pen. There's different dimensions of being lost. The prodigal son's in the pig pen, in the muck and the mire. Who would ever think he took all that he had? He went and spent it all on riotous living. He's in a pig pen now. He's living a life of filth, of despair, a disgusting life, a life that no one would possibly ever imagine wanting to live. The sheep was lost. The sheep's lost in the field. That's where sheep normally are. But he's in the field, but he's lost in the field. There in the field is, is uh, lost is not a good place because there's wolves. There's things that, that could come and harm and kill. There's bears and wolves and, 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 and places that he shouldn't be in the field. The coin, the coin is lost. The coin is lost in the house. That's where it should be in the house. But it's lost and it's in the house. Lost. The other nine are found, but one is lost. The lostness of the coin says it is there, it's in the house, but it's not useful. It's good for nothing. In the house, but lost. The coin was lost in the house. It didn't have the presence of mind to even know it was lost. It had no ability to think for itself. The coin's lost. It's the process of decay that happens slowly without notice. Can I help anybody this morning? The coin's lost in the house. It doesn't have cognitive ability. It doesn't have the ability to be able to know it was lost. It's in this story we're able to see that there are some things that happen that we don't even realize what we're doing. I don't know about you, I thank God for my wife who sometimes reminds me. One of the boys was in our room the other day talking to us and started walking out the door. And as they were walking out of the door, my wife's 
hitting me the whole time. I'm thinking, woman, not really, sweetheart. You're trying to get my attention. And she's saying, all right, good night, love you. She's hitting me. And it was my cue. Yes, good night, love you. I got the cue. Particularly on days, Sister Sherry, my heart goes out to you because I know exactly where you are. Some of us have been there and walked down those dreaded dreaded roads of back conditions and pinched nerves and Lord have mercy. On those days, of course, sometimes we may not act quite the way we would act on days that would be better because how many of you know physical impairment can lead to emotional impairment? Not saying you're impaired. <laughs> I'm just saying if you snap at Brother Mike, he needs to just kind of go with it today. All right. We'll just, we'll just roll with that. All right. And so I'm talking to somebody, and I'm, you know, don't want to be the complainer that talks about how I'm feeling today and telling everybody just how bad I'm, I'm hurting today, how my feet are feeling, her legs are feeling, her back is feeling. And so I'm talking. And somewhere I'm checking out in the conversation and my wife with a personality plus that she is is talking to everybody and she's standing there and what nobody knows is behind the scenes she's nudging me like start talking. Say something. Smile. Oh, yes. Engage in the conversation. I was thinking that it felt just like I had an ice pick stuck in my tailbone. How is your day? Now my point is, is that it's not something that we just would do naturally, but it's that we get sidetracked. You ever have something happen that just completely catches your mind and you're at work and maybe the employee, the employer or the boss comes by and they're like, Josh, Josh, earth calling Josh. Oh, oh, yes. Well, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. Exactly. Go to work. Josh, where was your mind? She was five foot five. I mean, <laughs> we're really not losing our mind. We just got sidetracked. We lost the cognitive ability to be able to just think something has come our way. A hurt has come. Somebody's offended us. Somebody has said something. Something has happened. And like the coin, we're in the house. But we've lost our usefulness and we didn't even realize it. I'll move. I don't want to make you too uncomfortable. Let's talk about the sheep. The sheep is in the field, it's grazing, it's in the field, it's with the herd, it's doing what sheep are supposed to do. It's, it's feeding in the luscious green pastures and 
Before long, it slipped around behind the rock as the shepherd calls everybody else along and somehow, inadvertently, it got separated from the group. It probably wasn't intentional. It probably wasn't that the sheep ran away somewhere. It probably wasn't that the sheep was pouting and ran away from the group. Sheep really don't do that. It was probably some inadvertent thing that happened, some, something that maybe was out of its control. Maybe it was a rock ledge, a fence, something that got it, it, as it, as it was grazing and doing what sheep does, it just fell by the wayside. There's 99 others. The shepherd could have said, I'm moving on with the 99 and I can't care about the one. But there's a real huge lesson there. Because the shepherd turns around and says, no, I don't leave one behind. We go back for the one. That's why anybody that's ever said, Pastor, why do you mess with? Because there's one. Pastor, why do you keep worrying about? Because there's one. And the sheep ended up off to the side. The sheep ended up by the wayside. The sheep knew it was lost, but it couldn't really do too much to help itself. It needed some help of others. Can I talk to the church for a moment? Can I talk to the church a little bit? The sheep perhaps would have never been lost if the other sheep would have done what other sheep are supposed to do. Oh, oh! I thought it was all on the shepherd. It's not all on the shepherd because the sheep helped the other sheep stay on track. Because any good mama sheep, whatever they're called, any sheep farmers in here know what a sheep's supposed to be called? A ewe, is that what it is? I don't know. It's not a llama. May need one or two of those in the pasture as well. But the other sheep, in their ways of communication, of talking sheep language are communicating with one another. And when one begins to fall by the wayside, the others would call it to, there's still good food over here too. Come on over to where we are. There is a job, oh, I need some, some time here this morning that I may not have, but I need to talk to the church for a moment about those who are in the sheepfold that often get lost by the wayside because they're not included with other sheep. Oh, you wanted to come on Sunday morning and just go home. We were all going out to dinner and going to smile. Pastors done come, started talking about lostness and why people end up lost in the house and in the field. There's people that get lost in the field because they, they, they and there's some that won't listen to the cues of others. Now, I can talk about that a little bit too. I can talk about the sheep that always ends up off by itself. I can talk about the sheep that, 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 that constantly, you know what the shepherd did to that sheep? You ever seen the, 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 the beautiful painting, the beautiful picture of the shepherd carrying the sheep around the neck, around his neck, and as he's carrying the sheep around its neck, there is a bandaged leg? Because there was a practice among, sheep, among shepherds that if a sheep continually would not stay with the herd, he broke the leg of the sheep. 
to inflict pain upon it, bandaged it back up, put it around his own neck, and carried it until it healed. The shepherd had to carry the broken leg of the sheep that he intentionally broke to teach the lesson. I know I'm not preaching to preachers this morning in general, but can I just preach to myself here for a moment? There are some times that we preach things we don't want to preach, say things we don't want to say, or have to deal with issues we don't want to deal with because we're trying to get somebody saved. So the sheep could have been lost because it was a wayward sheep that only understood the the language of strong correction from the shepherd. It could have been the sheep that just inadvertently got lost because the rest of the sheep was not communicating. Or maybe it was a pouty sheep that didn't want to communicate with the rest. Well, I'll move along. (laughs) So the father, the father has a son. He has a son, he's raised, he's birthed and raised and had in the house. And this son decided he didn't want to be in the house any longer. It was what he wanted to do. He's lost now, he's in the pig pen because the father tried to tell him it's not where he wanted to go, but he chose to go there, he got in the pig pen. This, this, we all understand that sheep, that, that, that son, we understand how that lost one got to where he was because he says, I'm not staying here. I'm not satisfied here. The only thing that could save the wayward son was the fact that he had to reach a point of getting so low that he had to come to himself. There are some people that will not understand the language of love. There are some backsliders that will not hear the voice of preaching. They're going to have to reach a point that they get so low that they say, My Lord, there's, there's the servants in my father's half have more to eat. And here I am eating with the pigs. They've got to come to themselves. He was lost. He had to reach the point of realizing he was lost and admitting that he was lost. I don't know if I'm making my point real clear here today, but there's dimensions of lostness. See, everybody has a reason. There's dimensions. See, some people some people walk away from God, walk away from truth. I've got to hurry and get this home this morning. Some people walk away from God, walk away from truth, walk away from the church, don't want anything to do with it. Only God is going to be able to turn them around when they come to their own thinking. There's some that are lost. They're lost in the field. They're still in and around the church, but they're lost. They're lost because they're of a wayward character, of a wayward personality. They're their own worst enemy. The preacher comes, preaches the message, reaches for them, breaks their leg, carries them, tries to get them back in the church, works with them, reaches for them, needs the assistance and the help of the sheep. And sometimes even of other shepherds to try to get them saved. And then there's the coin. There's the coin that's in the house and it's lost and it doesn't even realize it's lost. But it's lost some things. It's lost its usefulness because it cannot be found. 
I don't know if anybody this morning fits into any of the categories that I have talked to you about this morning, but I feel that I have struck a chord with two or three people in this room this morning that recognizing that recognize what I am preaching about this morning. No, there, there's probably more than just two or three uh, dimensions of lostness. There's many. I just brought you one little simple biblical reference this morning pointing out that there's dimensions of lostness. If we're not careful, we will fall into one. There's, there's absolute intentional sin. There's inadvertent sin. There's sins of the flesh. There's sins of the spirit. There's willful sins. There is sins of commission and there's sins of omission. Sometimes it's not what we are doing. It's what we are not doing. Nevertheless, we're lost. It's just dimensions of lostness. I call the church this morning. Is there a point that we could stop and take evaluation? That we could look at our own life, look at our own self and say, Wow, I'm not where I used to be. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not praying the way I used to pray. I'm not fasting the way I used to fast. I'm not sacrificing the way I used to sacrifice. And I refuse to leave here this morning without making some new commitments to reevaluate and get back to where that I want time was. Can I call the church this morning? The Lord came to seek and to save that which was lost. I come this morning to tell you it's not God's will for you to be in any dimension of lostness. He came to save to the uttermost. He came to reach you, to save you. He died. He bled. He gave his life because he wants you saved. There's no reason this morning for anybody in this house to walk out of here saying, wow, I feel like this this heavy load is on my shoulders after pastor preached about dimensions of lostness I come this morning to tell you that there's also dimensions of grace there's dimensions of grace because where sin abounds grace much more abounds I come to tell you this morning that whether that it's a small thing or a great thing it's all a small thing for grace it's all a small thing for the blood because Jesus loves you he's the good shepherd. He's reaching for you. He's coming after you. He's going for you. He's wanting you to get back in the sheepfold. He's wanting you to be useful in the kingdom. He wants you to be back with the rest of the herd. He wants you back in the Father's house. He's calling for you this morning. Stand to your feet with me if you would. There's one thing that was in common whether it was the coin, whether it was the sheep, or whether it was the son. There was work that had to be done in order for all of them to be found. But in the end, there was rejoicing when they were all found. The woman who lost the coin swept and cleaned her house, and she searched until she found it. The shepherd went out into the field The father waited with open arms looking and waiting. And when he saw his son afar off, he ran to where he was and fell upon his neck and he kissed him. But in all three scenarios, the scripture says, and there was great rejoicing. And there was rejoicing. And there was rejoicing. I want to leave here rejoicing this morning and I want you to leave here rejoicing this morning. 
Because if there's anything in a life this morning that I am preaching to, I'm preaching for that one this morning to make it right with God, to get back where you need to be with the Lord, and to leave here rejoicing. The Bible said that the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that comes to repentance. We've got one ready for baptism, going to be baptized here in just a few moments. And when we baptize that one, you know what? This is a time of rejoicing for the church. And if there's one in the house today that may not be walking and living the way that you ought to walk in the way that you ought to live, I open these altars to you today. You need to get back right with the Lord. Oh, pastor, there's no way I could step out after preaching a message. You know what? It doesn't matter whether you're the prodigal coming home. It doesn't matter whether you're, where you're the sheep in the field or whether you're the coin in the house. Everybody ought to come back to the Father's house. And everybody ought to be useful in the kingdom of God. So I make this appeal to us this morning. I'm going to make this as simple and easy as I possibly can. I want to open these altars this morning for everybody that's in the house. Everybody that's in the field. Everybody that's in the pig pen. I'm inviting everybody to come home this morning. I'm inviting everybody to come dine at the master's table today. I'm inviting everybody. The doors of the church just swung open. Here we are today. It's time to walk into the Father's house. There's going to be rejoicing before we leave this morning. I open these altars today. Would you come just gather in close today? I know there's not a lot of room, but I think if we gather in real tight, there'd be room for everybody to gather in this morning. We're just going to come today. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to just sit around somewhere in the back corner and not be used of God. I want to be used in the kingdom of God. I want God, I want to be usable in the kingdom of God. I want to be usable in the kingdom of God. Here's the call now. Don't be the wayward sheep. Don't be the rebellious son. Don't be the silent coin. Come to him this morning and say, here I am, Lord. Me and you all over again. Renewing my vows to you. Renewing my commitment to you. Now all over this room, would you pray right now? Everybody praying for yourself, not praying for another, but just praying for yourself. God, use us as you can use us. Use us in your will, Lord. Would you just lift your hands in the air and commit to the Lord? I need your 
Let's not just come and stand this morning, but let's communicate to the Lord. Everybody praying all over the building right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we are today, Lord, coming to you, bringing ourselves to you this morning. God, we want to be what you would have us to be. Come on, that's it. Pray to the Lord. Not for one day, I need your mercy. And I need your grace. 